Let us pray. Great Spirit, come and rest with us. Open your word to us and transform us by the truth and the power of your grace and love. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, our New Testament lesson this morning is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and you all, all of us, are invited to help share this lesson. So find your pew Bibles in front of you and find page 119 in the New Testament section of that pew Bible. Ernest and I will read up to verses 17 and then beginning at verse 17 to verse 21, beginning with the words, in the last days, it's all on you. Again, page 119 in your Pew Bible New Testament sections, Acts 2, 1 through 21, and you all begin at verse 17. Let us hear God's word. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, Ah, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. People of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days...
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I need a better word than paradox, which often means two seemingly opposing things being simultaneously true. I need a a better word, a truer word for a day like today, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, when the Holy Spirit comes and calls the church into being. A better word than paradox because I both love Pentecost and am terrified by it. I am both grateful for the coming of the Holy Spirit and bewildered by it. We Presbyterians, perhaps even we predominantly white mainline Protestants, don't quite know what to do with Pentecost. My apologies if I have told this joke too recently, but it's one of the only church jokes I know. A woman walked into a church on a Sunday morning. She was a first-time visitor. She was welcomed and given a bulletin and seated. The service was proceeding well enough, and the, the time for the sermon came. And the preacher started preaching. At a notable point in the sermon, the woman let out an amen, audible to those worshiping near her. And it happened again, this time a little bit louder. That's right, she would say aloud or preach it, she would say. The people around her, not used to such a thing, squirmed a little bit in their pews. All of this continued until finally, with a concerned look, an usher came to her very politely and inquired if she was all right. Assured that she was fine, the usher returned to his post. It continued, and finally the usher returned. Ma'am, are you, are you sure you're all right? She paused. Oh, yes, I'm fine, she said. I'm fine. I've got the spirit. Well, ma'am, that may be, the usher said. But you didn't get it here. Is that us? That's the paradox, or more than a paradox. We, we need to be able to say, we got it here. But we're not sure what the it is, let alone whether we want it or not. There's so much going on today at Third Church, rocks and blankets and new members and recognition, all of it good. So in that spirit, quickly, here are three important insights from Pentecost. Three ways why the coming of the Holy Spirit matters now to you, to me, to all of us. Why we want it, even when we're terrified of and bewildered by it. And how Pentecost and stewardship are inextricably linked. Number one, you are gifted. You are gifted without exception. The immediate gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was the capacity to hear and understand what people were saying in other languages. It would be as if I, never having had a lesson in Russian or Korean ever, could understand those languages fully. 
That's a pretty good gift. But Peter, in that moment, insists that there are other gifts. You just recounted them. Young people prophesying. Our elders dreaming. Wisdom. Vision. Scripture lifts up other gifts of the Spirit from Romans. There is teaching and exhorting. There's giving and leading and diligence and compassion and cheerfulness. From 1 Corinthians, there is healing and interpreting. From 1 Peter, speaking and serving. Find yourself in one of those gifts. This spring, we recognize gifts in formal ways around here, but they are present every day to everyone, all of us. And to be a steward of Pentecost, a steward of the Spirit, is to name your gifts and claim your gifts and use them for the common good. In the church, beyond the church, wherever the Spirit calls and empowers you. Mary Oliver asks what you will do with your one wild and precious life. That means the affirmation is that the Spirit gives you that gift, that life abundantly, without exception. Don't let anyone tell you differently. You are gifted. That's number one. Number two, because we are all given gifts, the church can be transformed. Every week, Probably every day, a steady stream of articles comes to my inbox about how the church is not only declining, but dying. I don't believe it. Yes, congregations, individual congregations will close, and yes, denominations are shrinking, and yes, we should be concerned, but no, we should not panic, and no, we should not be reactive, and no, we should not blame what is beyond our control, but yes, we should be thoughtful, and yes, we should be bold. And yes, places like Third Church, with financial and human and physical resources in abundance, must think about the future with innovation and hope, or we will die, and deservedly so. But look around. Look around. Think about all of these gifts we have been given. And here again, the Spirit's Pentecostal dream for us. Christy read it from Ezekiel. There is a valley of dead, dry bones which can mean so many things, but is often a symbol of the church these days. God asked the prophet, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Can this church live? And God gives the bones breath and skin and muscle and life. And more than that, the Spirit gives the bones hope. O oh, my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. That is the promise. You shall live. So I believe that there is a future for the church, and there is certainly a strong future for this church. But note that our collaboration with the spirit is not a passive thing. We must take all these gifts we've been given and imagine new life. If our future is about preserving our past, we're in trouble. If 
our future is about doing things the way we've always done them, we are in trouble. If we are open to the Spirit, we will have a future. And if we trust the Spirit, we will have a future. If we're less concerned about whether we have a future, and more concerned about how we will use our gifts to meet the needs of a broken and fearful world, our future will be filled with Pentecostal hope. Dry bones can stay dead, or they can live. Three, so if all are given gifts without exception, and if there is a future for the church, as we are faithful stewards of those gifts, what will that future look like? First, I need to say what it will not look like. Pentecost is the great equalizer because the Spirit gives us all gifts without exception. The future will not look like calling the police because black customers are hanging out at a Starbucks, calling campus police because a black student is taking a nap in a dorm lounge, calling campus police because two Native American young men are making a white person nervous on a campus tour, calling the police because people are speaking Spanish at a restaurant, calling a human being an animal or any other term that dehumanizes them. All of that reflects a pre-Pentecost, even an anti-Pentecost perspective where perceived difference fosters disunity and division. And a Pentecostal church awash in the gifts of the Spirit will not look like that, nor will it stand for that. True diversity is a gift of the Spirit and leads always to profound unity. My friend Jill Duffield, the editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, writes, An inbreaking of the Holy Spirit means a great equalizing has happened. Men and women, young and old, slave and free, the Spirit pours over all. Everyone is on a level playing field when it comes to the power and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The old human categories no longer apply to the new community formed through Jesus Christ and ushered in by the Holy Spirit. Jill writes, Pentecost is revolutionary because the wind blows down barriers and the flames burn down walls between peoples separated by geography, culture, language, nation, class, race, and every other human-created category. And then Jill concludes, Pentecost is revolutionary, turning upside down and inside out every human-constructed category Divide, barrier to God's constituting one family. Nothing will separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord, she reminds us, and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, nothing will separate us from one another. That's what a Pentecostal church looks like. A wash in the gifts of the Spirit a church in love, a church of love. 
A church sharing that love with the world and calling out injustice whenever and wherever it encounters it. I bet I'm the only preacher this morning across the country quoting Bishop Michael Curry. Okay, I probably am not. (laughs) Including his powerful words on the redemptive power of love. The redemptive power of love. And I was thinking as I was watching him preach in Windsor Chapel yesterday morning that if Jesus came as love incarnate, then Pentecost gives us all the power to share that love, to join the movement that the dry bones of the church must embrace if it is to love. A movement, Bishop Curry preached, grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world and a movement mandating people to live and love and in so doing to change not only their lives, but the very life of the world itself. That's what happens today on Pentecost because of the Spirit. That's what we get if we are open to it, if we embrace our calling to be stewards of the gifts the Spirit has given us. Nancy Rockwell writes, this is the promise of Pentecost. Now we no longer depend solely on Jesus to be the one who understands. Now we too understand. And now we too can speak and our voices can spread the spirit of understanding. Spread the spirit of justice, spread the spirit of love because we are gifted and empowered. Great Spirit, come and rest in me, and then make me and make us restless, restless for the healing of souls, restless for the transformation of the church, restless for the restoration of the world. Amen.